small town, where we're talking to entrepreneurs, community leaders, policymakers, and more to find out how they're building things in small towns. I'm your host, Shelby Smith. small town podcast today i am literally joined by a neighbor from less than half a block down the road and that is nathan tricky allen of nathan nathan tricky allen magic adults only magic like what do you like to call yeah i'm a magician comedian okay Um, do you have a specific name for your act or it's just just my name nathan tricky allen which which actually is my legal name now you can change your middle name to anything you want for $189 in Iowa. <laughs> Even if you smell like whiskey and have bloodshot eyes from all the weed earlier in the day. When you show up. When I show up. <laughs> <laughs> and where do you do that? Do you do that at the county recorders? Courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know in case I decide that my middle... How long have you been officially, legally, Nathan Triggy Allen? Um, 2015, I think. Okay. Yeah. So almost, we're nine years in now. Yeah. No regrets? No regrets. Nope. <laughs> None whatsoever. Okay, so that was... No, that if was, I ever want to run for like political office, though, it's going to be a problem, I think. I don't know. Like the whole tricky Nicky and tricky dick things. Like It's got a whole sort of history of, of that name, but... That's okay. I'll be okay with it. It also could just give you some extra name recognition that... The competition perhaps does not. That's the name of the game. I don't know how to pronounce that guy. I can pronounce tricky. Yeah. That's on the ballot. <laughs> that one's an easy check mark. Yes, please. Um, okay, so then, but you did not uh, grow up as Nathan Tricky Allen. What, is, what did you change your name from? Um, my Okay, my original family name, last name was Suko. It was Nathan Allen Suko. It's spelled S-U-C-K-O-W. But it got mispronounced a lot, and yeah. when you have when you're being introduced on stage, and they from Pottsville, I'm, I'm from Postville, from Pottsville, please welcome Nathan Suckow. I'm like, eh, it's time to use my time to use my middle name as my last name, Alan. So I, I did that, and then eventually I'm just like, well, I need a middle name now, and I didn't intend to change my name legally, but I was running into problems where they would like I didn't have like a, a DBA or anything. I'm like, make it to Nathan Suko or Nathan Allen Suko. And they would write it to Nathan Allen, or they would book a hotel room for me for a corporate event under the name Nathan Allen. And then at the front desk, you know, at two in the morning, they're like, you just need to see your ID. Oh, this name doesn't match. So now it's a whole issue, and I got to call up my contact if they're still awake, and uh, or just book another room and then deal with the um, reimbursement issue. So I'm just like, screw it. I'm just going to change my name. Yeah. My dad was cool with it when I did. I I was terrified to tell him. I thought he'd be insulted, but yeah. But he's like, no, I totally get it. Yeah, for sure. With yeah. what you were doing, it made total sense. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, you are not the first Suko that I know. I actually played basketball or not basketball, soccer with a girl named Becky Suko. No kidding. So, yep. So I would have known how to pronounce that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So she, I think, seems like she was from West Des Moines. Got any family in West Des Moines? I. I don't know most of my family. Okay. <laughs> so maybe, possibly not. But all, yeah. all, all I know is we can trace our family back to a little region called Pomerania. Okay. And like right, on, like, dog? right on the German border. Yeah, exactly where the dog's from. So okay. I'm, I'm literally Pomeranian. 
Okay. Which explains why I bark at new people. And Yeah. Not quite as fluffy, though, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as cuddly when, either. Well, I am when I don't get out the trimmers, trust me. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, so you're from Postville, which Postville is... Well, Northeast I... Iowa, Alamakee County. Okay. The most northeast county in, in Iowa. Oh, so like Decorah-ish, or is Decorah yep, right, South? Yep, right next to Decorah, about 20 minutes from Decorah. Okay, my dad's from up there, Dairy mm. Country. He's yeah. from Sumner in Bremer County. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. not super far from you. They were they were, they were uh, rivals in our uh, high school football, I believe. Oh, Sumner really? Yeah. Huh. Um, so then, did you grow up on a dairy farm? I did not, but there was a Sugo Dairy up there. <laughs> Was it really? Right outside of Postville, yeah, yeah. They, uh, dairy uh, equipment and all the things that the farmers need. Um, nice. No, I, I grew up on a farm, not a dairy farm. We were just renting the house. My stepdad was a car salesman. My mom was in retail and bartending, that kind of thing. So a real blue collar uh, roots, I guess. So when I get rich and vote for or go go for political office, I'll be able to be like, no, I'm one of you. Yes, <laughs> I come from a blue collar, <laughs> small yeah. town, small town boy. Mm-hmm. Very good. So then, um, how'd you get out of Postville? Like, how did you? How did I get out of Postville? Yeah, on a plea deal. <laughs> Sometimes you have to get a deal. No, I graduated and I got the hell out. Um, went to college briefly for a short amount of time. At a place called Graceland University in Lamona. Okay, you and Bruce Caitlin Jenner. Did that, you know that's that? right, and the Blue Power Ranger. What? Yeah, I lived on the same floor in the same building that the original Blue Power Ranger did. I forgot his name, Jason something, I think. But, He's uh, the one that wore the glasses, right? Like uh, yeah, he was yeah, the yeah. Dirty one? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so we had a, like a, a eight by ten framed picture of him in our little common area on our floor. They weren't frats, but they were totally frats. Yeah. And, you know. Like, if you have to go out in the middle of the night and do all these embarrassing things when you're naked, right. kind of a frat. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the guys were all cool that I was uh, living with and my friends, but um, they didn't make it super clear when I got this full-ride business scholarship that they were a very highly religious organization. <laughs> and... Uh, and that was kind of a deal breaker for me. You know, every week I'd have to go in and meet with my academic advisors and, you know, like, what are you, what are you working on this week? And, and every time it would come back to, you know, you're never going to make it in this world unless you start going to service with us. And I'm like, <laughs> I just noped right the hell out of there. <laughs> but so you ended up there on a full business scholarship. Entrepreneurship and marketing. Yeah. How, like and what? Then, and then additional uh, grants for, um, uh, uh, theater performance and uh, and backstage um, building shop stuff. Yeah. Okay, so then you must have gotten into that obviously earlier than college if you were getting scholarships and grants and things like that. So did you? Yeah, it was it was it was all based on my my magic shows that I was doing. That that apparently is a business, I guess, according to the college and according to the IRS. So, so that's neat. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I started that really really young um, when I was like twelve. I did my first paid magic show and then kind of worked my way through high school doing that and things were starting to go well and I my guidance counselor in Postville Connie Ewans great lady uh received information about this scholarship and she handed it off to me and I'm like should I shouldn't I because I was planning on going to the University of Iowa with my friends and uh but I applied for it I'm like what could it hurt and then I get this letter we are proud to announce that you are the recipient of Huh? <laughs> like maybe you guys should meet me a few more times before you commit to this but uh yeah yeah so i i lucked out by not having a lot of student debt 
to uh, be forgiven by the government. Yeah, it, that is a very um, <laughs> it's a very nice leg up that if you can if you can get it, it is it's nice. I am also a product of not having any student debt, which is it's Good. very very nice, yeah. um, very nice. So. I don't think that I've ever met someone that got paid as a 12-year-old magician. How much did you get paid as a 12-year-old magician <laughs> my, for your first paid gig? My first paid gig? It was a, at a, a neighborhood. And by neighborhood, I mean out in the country, five miles that way. Right. Um, neighborhood birthday party for some kid that was younger than me. And uh, I charged 10 bucks. Bargain. And uh, my mom gave me a ride because 12 and they gave me 15 bucks and also offered me cake. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. Okay, so if you're getting paid gigs by 12 already, that means you had to have gotten into magic way earlier than that. So, like, when mm -hmm. do you remember, like, the first magic show that you saw that you I, were like, yeah. I could do this? Yeah, I do. It was, um, I was in kindergarten and uh, the magician uh, brought me on stage to help with a trick. And, you know, I'm a kid. I'm like five years old. I'm just, my jaw's on the floor watching this guy, and he put my teacher's head in a box and slammed a bunch of sharp arrows through it and made her head disappear and uh, made cards appear from midair just by doing this, and I was, I, I was hooked. And my parents got me a magic kit, like a toy, like a plastic toy magic kit, you know, uh, for my birthday, or maybe it was Christmas, doesn't matter, story's the same. And, uh, and then once I was uh, a better reader, I started devouring every book I could on, on magic from the school libraries, public libraries, neighborhood public libraries, and just, and just become a, it became a completely unhealthy obsession, I, I think is, is the best way to explain it. And then I started doing my own magic shows, you know, for birthday parties, and that kind of parlayed into tiny company parties who thought it was cute to give this 12, 13, 14-year-old kid a, a, a gig, and by then I was getting 50 bucks a show, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it just kind of snowballed uh, from there. And then years later, there was a, a newspaper article on me in the, the northeast Iowa area up there, um, and the magician that I had first seen uh, when I was five uh, wrote me a letter, uh, and... Um, and I thought it was just random. Like, there's no way he remembers me, right? And he didn't say that he remembered me. But he wrote this letter saying, uh, I'm nearly 80 years old. I don't plan on doing this much longer. Saw your article in the newspaper. It was fun. If you'd like, maybe come down and visit. We can talk shop. And if there's any gear or books that you need, I might be able to lend them to you. And uh, he did. He remembered me. He remembered exactly who I was because I was the one that was like, uh, Mr. Magician, Mr. Magician. <laughs> and uh, it turns out uh, we went to meet him. My, my mom dropped me off, and, um, which is, which is kind of suspect. Like, here's, here, here, take my 14-year-old kid and just uh, take him down to your magic wizard basement. <laughs> what could go I wrong? Was, I was one of the lucky ones. <laughs> Uh, he was a very, very cool guy. Um, I mean, she had already been taking me to Catholic church and had me be an altar boy. So yeah, like, the risk had already, <laughs> right. What else could happen? Yeah. Clearly he's not that cute of a kid. Go hang with strangers. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised Catholic. I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he, he took me down to his, it literally was a wizard's workshop, kind of like how my place looks now. 
you know, you walk in and you look around and it looks like a, like a wizard's lair. I mean, and, and he just kind of gestured and said, I don't plan on doing this much longer. So if you want, if you're cool with it, uh, all this is yours. What? What? A dude gave me, he had been doing magic for 60 years. He started when he was about 20. And, uh, and this complete stranger, just because he like recognized part of himself in me, I suppose, and, uh, and saw that I was passionate about this and cared, uh, he just gave me a 60-year head start with all the books I'd always wanted to read but could never afford because, as I'm sure you're aware, like specific industry-specific books can be pretty expensive because they have to do them in short runs because they're not selling like Stephen King novels, you know. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was great. Stayed, stayed in contact with him for years and years after that. And he, he was never like a true professional, really. Um, he would like do shows around, but, but he was never like a road guy. Yeah. More of a hobbyist, if you More of a hobbyist, yeah. Yeah. That's, wow. That's pretty cool. Um, so then do you remember the first trick that you like mastered or the first trick that you performed for someone that wasn't your parents perhaps or your friends it was probably a stupid card trick yeah i i I don't i I don't really remember were those the easiest ones to pick up or were those just the ones that you had the most access to information on you know like you said the books it's easy to find information about card tricks and with a card trick you don't need any specially built gear or expensive apparatus so if you can pick up a deck of cards and learn how to handle them properly that's i mean there's thousands and thousands of card tricks out there so it's you could you could spend your whole life doing just card tricks i imagine right um it would be boring as hell to your audiences right but 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 you could yeah you definitely could so then what i'm just imagining you as this little 12 year old (laughs) rocking up to this was adorable (laughs) i think i got photos (laughs) i hope that you do have photos um so when you rock up to this, like, did you have an outfit already? Like, did you have like your tricky, ca- you know what I'm saying? Like, did you have the outfit? Like what tricks do you do at your first 12 year old magic show? Uh, <laughs> the outfit was a uh, hair that was much too hairy for, mm-hmm. for, for me. Um, and cause I, I had hair then not so much anymore. That's why I wear hats everywhere. <laughs> I'm not, not that I'm self-conscious about it, but I, I wear the I wear the hats, so no, it was just a, a button-up white shirt tucked into black pants, you know, because I've grown up watching David Copperfield on TV, and that's what he always wore: button-down white shirt, black pants. The tricks were a combination amalgamation of like magic kit, plastic stuff, and homemade stuff with like ropes or uh, some cardboard crap that I had created uh, with spray paint, and. Um, it's yeah it was it, it it was not a good show i'm sure it's a different show than i do now well yeah i you've evolved slightly <laughs> pot- potentially not emotionally yeah, but, well, but my show is evolved, you know we can't yeah. have it all we got <laughs> one thing at a time one thing to focus on at a time so interesting so then you go to graceland and you have this business scholarship and you do all the things and you're maybe well i was super busy doing shows then too so i was i was was gone every weekend doing shows mostly in northeast iowa southeast minnesota um southwest wisconsin northwest illinois that that whole area so every weekend i had shows sometimes two sometimes three so i had zero time to deal with the 
24 credit hours I was taking at the time. Right. <laughs> so like I can see myself slipping. So at, at one point I'm like, why would I stay here when I'm already doing what I want? Yeah. And like I've learned and nothing against academia, but I learned way more from business books that I bought on my own and read and, you know, seminars that I had attended in, in high school. I was, I had that, that kind of a mindset than I ever learned from these morons who were teaching business classes. Like you've never, you've never done business. Have you? They're, right. they're telling me that billboards are a good way to market. Like that's a shotgun approach to like, hopefully somebody who is my target audience will see this. Like, so I'm like looking at them asking questions and they didn't like that. So it just overall, I wasn't getting along great with that school. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. a, all in all, wasn't a good fit. It was nice to have a good scholarship. One of the marketing classes, I asked a question about a guy named Dan Kennedy. Are you familiar? Uh, maybe. He's the, like the godfather of direct marketing. Yes. He's written a, a couple oh, of books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. actually came up on a podcast I was listening to yeah. recently. I think it's maybe Alex Hormozzi was talking about Probably, yeah. he picked up a dan Ken- first dan kennedy mm-hmm. book he picked up he was like holy shit like it's a life is- changer yeah, yeah he was yeah. like this is and so i have not read any of his books yet but yeah it's on my list so yes now that yeah. you say that so you picked up a dan kennedy book you asked him if oh. he knew dan kennedy was. yeah i asked him a question about dan kennedy yeah. assuming that this guy teaching marketing would knew. know who this legend is and he wasn't familiar with Dan Kennedy and like just, it was just bit by bit. I just started to check out and to the point where I got drunk instead of taking my finals that first semester. <laughs> so you made it one semester, exactly one semester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, literally. Gave I get, it, I gave get it a phone call from that academic advisor who's like, you got to go to church. He calls me up and leaves a message and, uh, and I called him back. He's like, I don't think this is working out for us. I'm like, go check my room. I already moved out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Yeah. You guys are psychos. Fair enough. So then after you gave it the literal college try, <laughs> where do you go? Like, do you move back to Northeast Iowa? Move back to Northeast Iowa. Okay. I kept doing what I'm doing. And then I've had, you know, side gigs here and side jobs here and there. I, I still do. I still do some graphics work for people and website design. And uh, I build and create um, uh, custom magic props for other magicians. I just sent one to Burbank a few weeks ago. Uh, that The thing that I invented is being used at a place called the Magic Castle in L.A. Um, hopefully this week. I think he's got a gig this week. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean... Yeah. I love everything about it. Yeah. So then you move back. Do you move back to Postville or did you just move back to Northeast Iowa generally? Northeast Iowa. I, I was in um, Decora for a while and then I ended up in Coralville, Iowa City area and bounced around. I've lived in Ames. It's just, I, 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 I get bored with yeah. the scenery. And just move around kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> so then at the time, especially, so during your college years and all of that, and you said, you know, mainly Northeast Iowa, Southern Minnesota, Southeast, mm-hmm. um, or Southwest Wisconsin yeah, sort of a situation. Kind of spreading like a fungal virus. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. things, <laughs> it happens. So at that time. Like ringworm. <laughs> at, 
don't touch it. At that time. <laughs> it's doing fine on its own. Let it be. <laughs> um, at that time, were you uh, mainly word of mouth? Like, was that your... Yeah, mainly your... mainly word of mouth. And okay. I had also uh, picked up some stuff from uh, Dan Kennedy, um, inspired um, direct mail marketing. So I was getting gigs that way. Gotcha. Also, yeah. And so were the majority of those gigs, were those like corporate? Were they like, were you going into schools and doing the same sort of thing? That... I was, yeah, I was doing some colleges. I was doing high school, like after proms. Um, uh, I was doing kid shows like elementary and middle school, school assemblies. Uh, I had a very family friendly show then. Yeah. And um, town festivals, county fairs, the, the, the whole gamut of everything you think a magician would work at, I was doing. You were doing that. And I, and I, and I got, I mean, don't mean to brag, but yeah, I do. I mean, I got pretty good at it. Yeah. And I, and I was super busy. And, uh, but I, it got to the point where I wasn't able to be myself on stage. Like, cause off stage, I'm this guy, you know, I'm the guy that sometimes says fuck. And, <laughs> and I started heckling myself, uh, on stage. Like I would like just kind of emotionally check out when I was doing magic shows. I was still engaged with the audience and everything, but like I had done things, some of these things so much that like I started heckling myself in my head and I started, I started letting those heckles come out. So I'm making fun of myself as myself is doing the show and people were laughing and I found the more and more I let myself do that, the more and more audiences liked the show because turns out people like to laugh. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So then, um, when do you remember, like, when that shift sort of happened? When it when it went from like just being magician, like magic, I'm obsessed with this, to being like uh, magic slash comedy slash. Yeah, that happened between 2004 and 2009. Okay. And so that uh, during that five year window, I had kind of a kind of a meltdown about like I don't want to do anything that other magicians have done. You know, I gave away a bunch of the props, like some of them, the ones that that guy had given me. Um, but you know, they, I made sure they went to good homes. I wasn't like just burn them. I wasn't burning. <laughs> well, some of the crap that I had built, I, I burned like, sure. no, no, I mean, I gotta, I gotta like kind of wipe the slate clean. Yeah. And, uh, it was sort of a, a, I call it now kind of a, my Britney Spears meltdown, Fair. you know, where she shaved her head and yeah. I, I'm just like purging equipment and like, just want to start over. I only want to do my own original stuff. Um, I mean, all of magic is built upon the shoulders of giants, you know, there's, there's only like seven or nine different real types of tricks. You know, you can make something levitate or move in a weird way. You can make something disappear. You can make something up here. You can make a solid object go through a different solid object. I mean, there's categories, so it's, but you take those categories. It's the same way a piano player, I guess, would. There's only so many notes on a piano. Yeah. Here's yeah. your playground. Play here's, in it. Here's your playground play. Yeah. Yep. And what was I saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. So I got rid of it. And Transition. I, I, yeah. I started building back up and uh, and it became more of a comedy magic show. And I started doing, in 2009, uh, I started doing more uh, low paid small town nightclub gigs and uh, and kind of building from there and what's fun about that is if you can get an audience of drunks <laughs> in a tiny town bar to shut up and pay attention uh then you know you're on the right track with this material you, you've been working on and i went so far as like 
there weren't a lot of open mic nights where a magician was welcome. I mean, like some comedy clubs have them, but they're all crazy structured and that's not my crowd. Right. My crowd isn't people who are sitting there politely drinking a martini. Yeah. My people are bush light drinking lunatics who have a snowmobile parked outside. <laughs> so I created my own open mic nights by uh, like some friends who had bands when they would go on break between sets, you know, the 15 minute break window, I would ask them, hey, can I get up and do five or 10 minutes? And they're always like, oh yeah. So if you, and without introducing me, I just go up and introduce myself. So if you can take a crowd that's in party mode yelling and get them to shut up, listen, pay attention and laugh, I'm like, okay, that bit works. And when it doesn't work, you know that that doesn't yeah, work. Leave it. Yeah. <laughs> like it, when it goes bad, it goes very bad. Oh, yeah. I could totally see that. So then 2000, what did you say, 2004, 2009, you're kind of making this transition into, are you still dabbling at all in the full magic thing? No, or you really. literally I, burnt I, it at down? That, at that point, I burnt it to the ground. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then I imagine, you know, these low paying small town gigs. It was basically starting over from scratch. Yeah. You know? So then at the time, like you'd picked up side gigs. Like were you, mm-hmm. where were you at this point? You know, you said you bounced all around. Do you remember where you mm-hmm. were? Um, yeah. Uh, it ranged from Northeast Iowa to Iowa City to okay. eventually uh, the Ames area. Gotcha. When I, when I Mainly started. Eastern Corridor and then sort yeah. of got over here. Yeah. Um. Okay. So... When did you start getting out of just the small town dive bars and start back? Oh, into... I still I still do those. Well, I, I know you do. Just because they're so damn much fun. Yes, <laughs> I know you do, and yeah. it, it's a good. It sounds like it's a really good testing ground for you for when you it's develop real good training. You yeah. know, new yeah. material and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. You need a playground again to play on sort of a situation. So that makes sense. But then you have gotten into some larger performances again and more corporate mm-hmm. sort of a situation. So when did that? really start to when did you start to feel comfortable enough to go after that uh that kind of started before i was even uh, decided to go adults only shows and it and that was part of it because those those company parties or corporate events even it's all adults there's an open bar in the back they're ready to have fun and that was one of those places where i felt comfortable being me and as long as they didn't have like a super uh, uptight organization where i mean like trucking companies perfect for me (laughs) harley dealerships perfect for me you know blue collar uh companies are perfect for what i do for for their company parties and actually some of the most crazy uh events i've ever done you're not going to believe who they are tell me Bankers, lawyers, and accountants. So I used to be a banker, so okay. I 1,000% okay, <laughs> can believe that. Like, you have, you know that 1,000% does not surprise me, seeing as how uh, yeah, I used to be one. <laughs> y'all get tense. <laughs> yep. And when it's time to let loose and have fun, you let loose and have fun. Yes. Yeah. I can completely believe that. Mm-hmm. So then um, how did you start getting – is it still word of mouth at that point? Um, are you – Word of mouth. I had a, a, a couple of agents and a manager actually at one point uh, who decided to get out of the business just randomly because he decided that it wasn't much fun anymore. He was also a performing comedian. Okay. I mean, well, if it's not fun for you, then yeah. Then don't. But you could have given me some heads up if you were having doubts. <laughs> yeah. It was like that year that I was with him. It was like uh, kind of his last ditch effort to stay in showbiz instead of going back to his corporate job at 
Pinnacle Financial or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so then how how was that of having the manager and the agent and all of that? Like, it was great because I just had to show, show up, up and do the shit, do, do the show. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. did they find you? Did you reach out to them? Oh, like, we had known each other for years because, I mean, I, I started working um, with more comedians than magicians and variety acts because I was doing the same types of events that usually stand-up comics do. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would be an opening act for a comedian at this bar or this Eagles club or fraternal organization or blue-collar company party. And, you know, we'd trade contact info, stay in touch, do shows together when we can. And I actually had a several-year running uh, touring show with, uh, with a comedian, and we called our show the Dirty Jokes and Magic Tricks show. So, like, I would do an hour. He would do an hour. We'd have an intermission in between. Sometimes we'd bring on a guest act, like a wherever we were, Ohio or Colorado or Washington State or L.A., we'd, we'd find somebody who would want to do like a 10 or 15-minute guest spot in, in our show. And so it'd be like a three-hour, three-performer extravaganza, basically. Yeah. And so then when you did that, were you like – going to one city or town a weekend or were you like Friday night we're in Columbus Saturday night we're in Cincinnati it gets better there was there was a newspaper (laughs) article in from (laughs) when we were in uh, Deadwood South Dakota we had had a five night run that week it was uh, a Deadwood it was a contractor company party again perfect for us uh, at a casino in Deadwood and then we like zigzagged back and there was northeast iowa on that run it was like five nights you know you just route it properly and and it, and it makes sense and then you can offer everybody a little bit more before an affordable price because they're not paying just to get us to deadwood and back you know it's like we'll get to deadwood but then you know when we're getting back we can pick up all these extra side jobs right so <laughs> that casino show in deadwood uh during the middle of my co-star's show, his part of the show, all of the electricity in the entirety of Deadwood went out. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> the casino was just black and all the emergency lights were on. But that's just enough just to kind of be able to see so you don't bump your foot on something. Yeah. But they're contractors, right? The show must go on, right? They've got these big flashlights in their trucks. So they, a couple of them run out, and they're aiming them at the stage. And uh, dude, um, uh, uh, Jeremy, he's just projecting. It's like a 300-person crowd, you know. And uh, it was it was chaos, yeah. What was the question? It was um, how long, like, what was that tour? Like, were you mainly, were you in one city, like, during the weekend? But no, you were mm. you were all over, depending yeah. on how you routed it. Yeah, sort usually of route it. Yeah, you, you gather you gather people who are interested in um, doing something like that, and if they're open on the dates, then you contact them, and if you have an anchor date, like a like a good bang one. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know, like a corporate event for contractors in Deadwood or something. Sure. And then you figure out, well, who on our quarterback um, w- had expressed interest, and we'll just, you know, line up those, and, hey, you want to do this date? Like, yep, okay, good. And just line them up and go that way. Yep, yep. Do you, how, so how, did you do that for a year? Did you do that for a couple years? A few, few years. I okay. Think we did that. Yeah. What was your favorite one? Do you have a favorite? Favorite show I've ever done? Yeah. 
Come back to that. Let me let me think about okay. that. Okay, you think about that. What was the craziest show you did? <laughs> craziest in what respect? <laughs> uh, what con- whatever context you would like to take and run with that, I realize that is a wide open risk. That mm-hmm. mm, I'll have to come back to that one too. Okay, what was your biggest? Like, what was your, do you remember, like, the oh, largest, yeah, that one largest audience that you... Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was about 1,500 people at Hancher Auditorium uh, for uh, Governor Culver's inaugural gala, actually. I did it, it was on a show with Tom Arnold was the MC, Al Green was the headliner, and I'm sitting backstage going, I don't understand why I'm even here. <laughs> you know, I just did 10 or 12 minutes on stage. But, uh, I mean, my backstage security is friggin' Iowa State Patrol. Am I allowed to go outside for a cigarette? Or <laughs> This feels weird. They're like, I- yeah, I'll hold the door for you. Man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> wow. Okay, so that was your biggest one. Um, do you remember, like, have you ever just shown up to one of these bars and there's like two people in the crowd and you just perform for them? Uh, it was eight people. Okay. Yeah. What's that like? Awkward, but see, a lot, a lot of comics would get um, angry in those situations. But but I figure those eight people that came out, and this was years ago, this doesn't happen much anymore, thankfully, but those eight people that came out are the, the good people. I mean, they're there. They bought their ticket. They're there to have a good time. So we'll have a good time. And as a magician, I'm able to, if it's a small group, I'm able to change my show and do more close-up type stuff that they wouldn't have been able to see in a stage situation. So it becomes more of a personal, fun, conversational show for them. Yeah. Uh, which which is a fun deviation from the high-energy you know, it's fun to be able to be like, hey, everybody, let's gather around these. Let's push these tables together. Let's do a close-up show. Yeah. We're still going to have fun. You're still going to walk away happy. But, uh, but yeah, then you can do card tricks or tricks with coins or rubber bands or borrowed dollar bills. And, and also in between, you know, there's interaction because everybody's literally right there. Right. You know, it's not a you have to shut up and listen show situation. It's, it, it's a conversation. Yeah, it's an interactive, yeah. much more interactive, hands-on sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So then, um, what's it like coming up with new... Do you come up with the magic to go with the comedy first? Or does the comedy come <coughs> first and then you figure out, like, what... Ma- like, what... How? What is that process mm. like of figuring out, like, the structure of your act? Is it... Can, can you smell the spray paint on me? I was working on something <laughs> earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're like, yeah, I smell the spray paint, but it's overpowered by the whiskey. <laughs> um, it's it, it goes both ways. Sometimes you have an idea uh, that you want to communicate, um, and then you, you know, shoehorn some magic into that, and then you sprinkle the comedy on top once you get the structure of what you want to do. Sometimes you've got jokes that would work, and, oh, I don't have a trick for this yet. So you figure out how that would work, or like a, an idea for a gag, like with audio. Like I've, I've, got, I've got this stupid trick with razor blades that I do, and and uh, and it's the whole buildup is it's a scary trick. So I brought along the scariest music on the face of the planet, and it's the wedding song. Yeah. And the 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 idea for the music came first, and then I I put 
I put magic uh, on that. I'm like, whoa, it's a scary trick. Sharp objects are scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walking down the aisle, also terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, and that's why we went to the courthouse and just got a signature. Didn't have to <laughs> walk down any aisles. It's great. Um, People are scary. Yeah, no, I just... Uh, does not sound like fun to me. I've planned enough events that are not yeah. like that. That when I, I, when I got married, it was the same deal. But then we had a very tiny ceremony. A buddy of mine was um, the officiant. Um, actually, a magician that I grew up with. He was from Wakhan. Yeah. So um, so that was that was fun. But very very tiny group in a in a friend's living room. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. I just, mm, no, I have no desires to do the big wedding <laughs> thing. Like I said. Well, no. Also, it's expensive as hell. Uh, yeah. That's I got. Like, why would you blow thirty or fifty grand on a party? I got too many other things that I can spend that money on. <laughs> first of all, and the time that it would take to plan it and everything mm-hmm. else, I just am thoroughly uninterested yeah in the wedding industrial complex so I just <laughs> the wedding don't. industrial complex yes <laughs> I just, oh isn't that the truth I, yeah yes i do not participate so and you know what i think you're right because like to get a marriage license is what 30 or 40 bucks it's 35 dollars. and to file for a divorce is what 500 or something I have no idea <laughs> we are officially married for one month so don't know yet we made it through one month well congratulations thank you um so then uh when you like what do you use for inspiration for like coming up with your premises or your ideas like are you is it just consuming other media consuming are you yeah just... it's like the, the, this new one i've been working on is i think it all relates to your interests usually like mm-hmm. there's one there there's one this uh, there's a story that i want to tell which is about that first magician and our reconnecting and then our falling apart because uh, he didn't agree with the adults-only direction I was going. So we didn't talk for years. And um, um, But uh, we ended up you know, making amends uh, towards the end of his life. He, he died at 96. He's, he celebrated his 21st birthday uh, in Hawaii, Pearl Harbor. His birthday was December 7th, 1941, his 21st birthday. <laughs> he was in the Air Force. Okay, or the, I was going to say. the Army Air, whatever it was called then. Not the Navy. Different. Not the Navy. Thankful. Not the Navy. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was, luckily, he was somewhere else than where he should have been. Right. Because the night before, he had broken his wrist doing an illegal boxing match for money. <laughs> so he was in the hospital somewhere other than where he should have been. If he was where he should have been, apparently, he would have been, you know, he would have disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. In a puff of smoke. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's personal experiences. It's just like anybody who creates anything, I imagine, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, singers, songwriters, it's, you know, it comes from somewhere from within them. Yeah. Um, I've always had this longstanding fascination with ghost hunter type stuff. I've got a YouTube video out there. It was just, just a total parody of the Ghost Hunter, Ghost Adventures guys. It's like five minutes. I thought it was funny. Uh, but right now I'm working on a, a thing with haunted objects. And the story is during 2020 when the entertainment industry was shut down, I had to get a new hobby. But eventually, eventually start to chafe, right? <laughs> so my hobby after that was... Uh, collecting haunted items that people said were haunted on eBay and, you know, Marketplace and Amazon. 
and and then I bring out these objects that I say are haunted and and do a trick with that and you know have jokes with it and completely irreverent uh, references because I don't believe in that stuff at all. I'm a total skeptic. I would love to be able to see a ghost though. Yeah. Just make me rethink everything. But but yeah, the 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 new trick I'm working on now is with a ghost. Nice. Yeah. Does he have a name? It's different ghosts every time. Oh, like right. one show I was working on, like one of the first shows, uh, it came through and it wrote a message on this on this uh, board, apparently, and it said, "Allegedly, I, I did not kill myself," and it was signed Epstein. So that was neat. Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So then, um, how often are you coming up with like totally new acts? Like, is it? Have you just kind of figured out it's what a, works? It's a slow evolutionary process. Okay. Like if I have an idea, like it's it'll probably be nine or twelve months before it's in the show until mm-hmm. I, like before I'm happy with where it kind of is, and then it'll be another year or two until I'm like super happy with oh this is a solid bit that I can do anywhere in any one of the types of shows that I do. Yeah. And I'm like okay, now we can move on to the next one. Yeah. But lately, I don't know what's been going on. I've got like all these projects like you've heard feast or famine. Well, apparently the idea is the same for ideas for creation. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then I'm going to do this appearing shot glass trick. There's seven different ways to do that. I'm going to do it seven different times throughout the show. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got like my desk is a mess right now. <laughs> just just notepads. And um, yeah, it's if I could figure out a way to make it happen i would do that but it's just like whenever it whenever your brain's like hey here's an idea yeah so it's not you're not like you know because you hear some comedians um sit down and sit down and write write every day five hours every day yeah Yeah. so you're like it's not that for you it doesn't work that way for me okay so it's just kind of whenever it comes and even if i do like it what i come up with like before that bit i consider finished it's almost unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Like there's a card trick I do in my show that I've been doing for probably 12 years. And the first incarnation of it looks nothing like what it is now. You wouldn't even recognize it as the same trick, but it is. It just slowly evolved. And I'm like, okay, now that works. Yeah. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm happy with it yeah, 12 years yeah. later. Mm-hmm. But so then um, sort of like, you know, just a traditional comedian, you can't, necessarily i mean you can you can go do your you know your small town dive bar shows your that kind of thing sort of like your open mic sort of a situation mm-hmm. but like then how how are you practicing you know you can't yeah so th- i mean what i do you can't okay a lot of magicians you can you know you stand there in front of a mirror and and just do this you know fancy move until you fool yourself in the mirror or you set up cameras and, uh, and then go back and watch them and see, are the angles good on that? Is the timing and pacing good on this, uh, on what I'm doing? But they're just doing serious magic. And that's a whole different set of structure than... See, the, the trick itself <laughs> takes forever to get right, mm-hmm. to actually get it right. So it'll work on a stage at a corporate event in a banquet hall for three or 400 people or in a bar where... Maybe only 75 people showed up. 
and the closest person is from me to you away. So it's got to work that way, but it's also it also has to work for the 400th person in the back of a banquet hall for what I do because I have really no idea what I'm walking into. Right. Um, when I'm setting up the show on that day, so the magic takes forever to to nail down. But then, sorry, my my lips are chafing. <laughs> uh, but then I I'm not happy with something until I sprinkle the funny on it. So I got to have the funny, and if there's music involved, I got to choreograph the moves. If there's background music or even loud upfront music, you know, with maybe more of a silent act, then you have to do that. So the magic trick is just the bones, and then you have to put the skin and muscle and hair and makeup and clothing on it, and it's it's a really slow process for me. I'm jealous of comedians, just straight stand-ups, well, also the gay ones, but but just stand-ups. Yes. Uh, because they can think of an idea while they're driving to a gig and try it out that night. Right. I can't do that because I got to... Are you familiar with Penn and Teller? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Teller once said something. Don't tell anybody, but he can talk. It's like, if you're writing a song, you can... And I'm totally paraphrasing. You can write a song on a piano, Right. But with a magician, before you can write that song, you have to build the piano. <laughs> yeah. So everything you do is different. And, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I, I, I don't know. Okay. Fair. <laughs> the only reason that I know Penn and Teller is because I've heard him on podcasts. So I, in fact, knew that he talked before I didn't know that. Oh, you knew that Teller talked? Well, I, yeah. He has I mean, a very pleasant voice. Yeah, I've heard them on, like I said, I heard them on podcasts, so I did not did not know prior to that that mm-hmm. silence in the act. So, yeah. um, very good. So then this side business that you have now, or that you've had for a while, I suppose. They're uh, all side businesses. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we all have so many of them. Um, just, of, just squeaking by. <laughs> of building the... Um, oh, building like, props for Yeah, magicians. building props for other yeah. magicians. Like, how do you get into that? Like, is that... I got to imagine there's um, there's some mass-produced things, like the kit that you got. You oh, know? yeah, that Like junk. that, yes, yeah. that kind of stuff. For and that's people. horrible. And, and even, like, nicely built things, like mm-hmm. custom things. It's still so mass-produced that everybody's got one. And the way a lot of uh, magic works is when you sell something, you also sell them a presentation. Like, here's what you say. Here's some ideas on how to do it. And I'm guilty of that, too. I've, I released a, a, a trick years ago um, with a razor blade. And then, I mean, we gave them, like, three different performance videos and basically said, copy this. Because, I mean, you paid your 50 bucks or whatever for the DVD. It was so long ago, it was a DVD. Yeah. <laughs> you remember those? I do. They were the, they were like 78 records, except they were shiny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you can walk into a magic shop and buy a show if you want. Just put down a credit card and get all this stupid props, but horrific presentations. Like, one of the things I was reading recently... <laughs> Like the the beginning of the patter, the script for the trick was, on my last trip to India, (laughs) this was written in 1940, Right, by a British guy. Yeah, yeah. But the custom stuff that I've done for people has been 
uh, people that I know. And they'll tell me kind of what they're working on, and I'll work up a prototype and be like, is this kind of what you're looking for? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I'll make a more finished product for them. And I don't write the script for them because I think it's better to give somebody an idea, but then let, let them put their own personality onto it. Right. Their own, you know, music choices. Because you can see two different magicians do the exact same trick in two totally different ways. Yeah. Which I think is fun. That's why I still like watching magic for the most part. So then you do you do watch magic still? I'm still a fan. Okay. Yep. And are you a fan just because you enjoy it? Kind of, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of comedians that they'll watch comedy because they like to laugh because who doesn't? But so you still enjoy yeah. it. Are you also like... I don't, I don't watch it in the same way okay. anymore. I, I used to watch it to figure it out and like, oh, I could do that. Because it's just this, this, and this, but you have no idea what this, 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 and this entails. <laughs> right. And I enjoy watching comedy, not for the same way anymore, because it used to be, oh, that's funny, but I could do that. Now I just like watching other entertainers do what they do, and I just sit back. There's no pen and paper next to me. I just want to enjoy the experience as a member of the audience. So I'll go to comedy shows i'll go to magic shows i won't tell them that i'm a magician or a comic i'll i'll just be there i'll shake their hand afterwards say hey had a really good time and and it's fun it's it's fun to do that what sucks about being a magician and going to other magic shows is i got into magic because i was so jaw on the jaw on the floor fooled and amazed but now i know too much right so now I can passively watch it just for the entertainment value. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the Klosterman switch. <laughs> when you put this in this hand and, uh, and then showed this hand empty, but it was still there. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, well done, though. But now I can't enjoy magic in the same way. Right. Isn't that sad? Well, it is. You know, <laughs> it is sad. It's one of those. I think, um, I think that's fairly common across like whatever you get into it's like again you know yeah, but musicians can still yeah appreciate, well maybe not maybe they're the same way maybe they're picking it apart in their subconscious like oh ah you could have done that transition better yeah. you could have done that or or um i'll find know. myself doing that with comedy too yeah i'm like oh you should have gone this direction yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think that's fairly common in whatever you get into like it's you know too much and so yeah the there's got to be a name for that psychological disorder i'm sure that there is (laughs) i just don't know what it is i'm sure that there isn't some sort of a bias that is Mm -hmm. slipping my mind as to what it would be called but um but but yeah there's there's a few that i I still really enjoy watching even though i know what the hell's going on like yeah like david copperfield's stuff from the 90s like some of the best stage performances I've ever seen. I saw him three times live uh, in like a 10-year period. And he's the GOAT, man. Yeah. Maybe not so much anymore. I've been reading some reviews lately. You were wound up on the list. Oh, and then he ended up on the list. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You maybe didn't want to be on that special list. Yeah, I I crossed... uh, I was able. I was happy because I was able to cross see David Copperfield live off my list, and then I found out that he ended up on another list. 
So unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, it's just one of those situations where, um, rich guy. I mean, he's literally a billionaire now. Yeah. Uh, just ended up being targeted because money. Right. Hopefully. Money and influence. Who knows? I don't know him personally. Yeah. yeah. So who hard knows? hard yeah. to say. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't meet your heroes, as they say. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so then you really liked him. Mm-hmm. Who else do you like really admire in the magic space? Um, there's there's a little. He's not little known. He was very uh, successful, but not famous. A uh, guy named Scott Alexander that I've been studying a lot lately. He was more of a cruise ship kind of guy. Super creative guy, though. I'm working on a couple of his things that he invented now. One of those situations where he released a product into the market, and I was late to the game, but like, all right. This guy, like, knew what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Scott Alexander, I'm, he's, my, he's my new favorite right now. But uh, as far as in general, most of the magicians I like, are comedy magicians. So I guess I like them in different ways than, than a magician would. But Dana Daniels, Michael Finney, Mac King, Amazing Jonathan, who sadly passed away recently, um, Harry Anderson, who was the judge on Night Court, was also a very accomplished comedy magician in comedy clubs. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. He did a, he did a character on... Cheers called Harry the Hat was his name. He wore huh. a fedora and was always doing some kind of scam, you know. But uh, yeah, very, very, very talented um, magician. He's Interesting. Books and, and, and night court judge of all mm-hmm. of all things. Um, so then, you know, you have this comedy aspect too. Like, are there any um, like big comedians that are just pure comedians mm-hmm. that you like really enjoy watching that maybe you don't pick apart? Uh, Burt Kreischer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see his new one, Razzle Dazzle? I did. Damn, that was good. <laughs> I did. I think the, you know, what I just said, like I'm watching the comedian, I'm like, oh, you should have ended it this way. So he, uh, he did a bit about, what was it, a snow machine or something? Yes. In that? Mm-hmm. He should have ended that concert with snow machines raining down on the entire audience yes yeah that would have made yeah (laughs) Yeah, right it would have made sense for sure um so then do you like to go watch like regular comedians live often or is that like eh, you more of a no i watch i watch comedians way more than i'll watch magicians yeah most magicians bore the hell out of me why not uh, because they don't put their they don't put themselves into it enough what do you mean they don't, they don't, I mean, putting your own spin on it is one thing, but like on an already existing trick or an already existing idea, that's one thing. But, but I like the magicians who get up close and personal in an emotional way, in a storytelling way. Um, that's one of the reasons why I liked Copperfield so much because he was always about stories and still is. Um, a good mentalist friend of mine, uh, Richard, I'd probably, no, I'll say his name, Richard Merritt. He's a professor of art at Luther College. Super talented mentalist magician. Never went professional doing it. He's done some high-end, exclusive, private shows. Um, 
but he's waiting until he retires apparently to go through with it. I'm like, dude, just do it. You're good. I, I, I never really um, got into the mentalism side of magic because that's one of the facets of magic that still regularly fools me. So I didn't want to know. So when we hang out, he'll show me something. And I'll be like, how'd you do that? You're the devil. <laughs> He's like, no, it's in Animan, which is a book for mentalists. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, don't tell me that because I don't want to have to look when I get home <laughs> and figure this out. But he, but he's working on some stuff, and um, we're working on something together, actually. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second for a TV thing. Um, and then what was the question again? It was um, like, do you like to go watch comedians live and yeah, that yeah. whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the magicians. Most of them yeah, don't oh, put yeah, themselves yeah. What, into right, it. Right, the yeah, magicians yeah, yeah. and the, yeah. yes. I had to take a sip of smart juice. You're fine. You got Sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> but yes, what what about magicians so I, not putting I, themselves I, into I, it? I, I like the ones that tell stories or relate to personal experiences or put a spin on it. There was, oh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, he did a show, I think it was on Netflix. It was a very personal close-up magic show for like a small audience oh <laughs> I'll, th- I'll 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 think of it later and okay um tv show and mentalist tv show mentalist yeah i could google it but i'm i'm lazy so then the project that you're planning on working with oh uh the pen and teller fool us show oh yeah the mentalist uh, and i are are working on a trick that's it's a it's a totally new principle, so the name of the game is fool us. Teller will not have read this anywhere, even though he's read every friggin' magic book on the face of the planet, I think. Uh, so the trick itself will fool both of them. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out how to pour funny onto it, because yeah. with a national TV appearance, I have to make that representative of what I do in my live shows. So <laughs> I hope I can pour enough funny in his, in, in a short amount of time. I don't know if we're going to uh, do this upcoming season or wait till next year, but um, I could do it now as is, but I don't think it would be good for me as a performer who works doing live shows. Yeah. If they Google me like, Oh, well this guy's not funny at all. He's just doing a serious magic trick. That's not at all what the poster said. It said it was a funny show. You know? Yeah. So I think that would be detrimental, if anything. Right. You um, need to, well, it's like you said, you got to sprinkle all the, you got the bones there, but you got to sprinkle the rest sp- on it. Sprinkle the makeup on it. Yep. Interesting. So then what are you like really excited about in the next 12 months? I want to see how this election goes. <laughs> yeah, that'll be over in less than 12 months, thankfully. I think it's only 11 months from now, less than, maybe 10. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, I got some some projects that I, other, I mean, in addition to that one, I've got, I've got um, some other projects I'm working on that I can't really talk about in a general public type of forum. Fair. It's just kind of magician type stuff. Um. But, uh, well, one of them I can, I suppose. It's a, um, it's an app that I'm making. It's a creativity brainstorming app for magicians. So, like I said earlier, there's only 
a certain number of categories of tricks, but within there, there's only a certain category of types of ways you can do each one. Right. So in very basic terms, this app will give you the option to put in your own list of objects or props that make sense to that particular performer. Like for my show, things like broken glass or razor blades or a condom or <laughs> like different random things. It's going to be a way different list of objects than a magician who does library shows for grade school kids. Yes, right? I can imagine. So, <laughs> so this thing I'm working on is you push a button uh, while you're sitting there drinking coffee in the morning or whatever, and it'll give you, hey, here's a randomized category of effect. Out of that, here's a randomized way, a general way you can do it. Not a, not specifics because it, that would be impossible. And here's a random object you can use for that trick. Type of trick, way to do the trick, thing you can use, and you can hit another button and add another object if you want. So they're not all going to be winners. But when they do work, they work. Right. Like one of the ones I came up with this, uh, I've been doing for years uh, it regularly gets a standing ovation at the end of the show for me another one that i created with this idea was that razor blade trick that i released years ago and it got ripped off like 17 different ways <laughs> so so the idea works if you just stick with it it's like, it's a numbers game you yeah. know eventually you're going to be like oh that clicks with me screenshot right mm -hmm. So it's a way of, of just giving you a whole bunch of different options yeah, and slotting them in so just to try it sort of a situation. Yeah, just, to, just to give you a spark. Yeah. Something that you hadn't thought of. And there's still a lot of work to do after that. I mean, right. you still got to figure it out. it and make it, make it work. But um, at least it gives you a, I would say like a flow chart almost of, or it's like a, men, of, yeah. a menu. A, I don't know. A personalized menu kind of a situation. Yeah. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, if you want to come at creativity from the magic end of things. Yeah. It's a very systematic approach to creativity. It's, but yeah. It's, it's kind of what you need in some respects. Well, it's just one part of an entire toolkit, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, yeah. I think it's better to come up with an idea or something you want to communicate to the audience first and then come up with the trick to illustrate that. Yeah. But you're a storyteller, so that or, makes sense. Or to impact it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's better to be a storyteller. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, you're human. Humans like stories. Um, <laughs> we have for a long time. Yes. As a species. Yes, it's weird. Um, so then, speaking of storytelling and all of that, when did you get into YouTube? Shoot. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look at my... <laughs> like, early... Like, it's been... Has it been 10 years? Probably 10 or more. So, 2013? Like, what what got you into... Maybe even before that. I don't know. At that point, like, YouTube is not what it is today. Like, today, everybody's no, got a YouTube channel no, sort of situation. Way, it was way different, yeah. Why? Like, what... How'd you hear about it? What'd you say? I just thought it'd be a good way to share videos about what I do. Okay. Get my name out there, as it were. Okay, so you looked at it as more of a marketing thing oh, yeah, rather yeah. than like always, an instructional. Always has been. But yeah, but what I used were the instructionals were were instructionals. But I, I did some teach-a-trick things, but I made them entertaining to watch. Okay. So even people that weren't really interested in magic would watch this and be like, oh, 
this guy's fun to watch. And maybe I figured maybe that'll help me in the future sometime. I don't know. Yeah. And one of my earliest ones, like, totally kicked off and got like two million, three million views or something like that. Nice. Um, but then I just, I just kept using it. And at one point, uh, like, uh, the uh, monetization of it was looking real good. And I'm like, oh, all of my overhead is covered with this. I can just use my live shows as gravy, side gig and gravy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then algorithms changed, adpocalypse happened, everything shut down, and I just kind of lost interest. I haven't done much with it in the past few years. Would, do you think that you should? Maybe. I should. I should just put it on my calendar every Monday or something like do a, do a video, Nathan. And I look at my calendar and go, I don't want to do a video. <laughs> yeah. Well, but so that's where, um, you know, talking to Dan, I said, you are set up to do shorts, like your stuff. Yeah. You know, for him, his stuff, mm-hmm. time lapse of freaking. Yeah. He kind of dropped off too. He uh, did. Yeah. He was, he was yep. real gung ho about it for a while. Well, and we talked about that and you know, it's sometimes workload just gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And so that takes a back seat. It, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think it happens to everyone at some point, especially when you're in a small business sort of situation. But oh, yeah. Yeah. for him, like the shift to YouTube coming out, trying to, you know, um, compete with TikTok, and so you have your shorter form things and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. For him, like his stuff's very time lapsable. Anything you're painting mm-hmm. or something like that, like people love before and after things. But for yours, like you could do once mm-hmm. a week, uh, like stupid little. You talked about you could spend your whole life doing card tricks. Teach somebody a card trick in a minute or less. Yeah, yeah. do it. But I, but I, okay. <laughs> but I, but I also have to. You talked me into it. Okay. But I also Twisted have. But I also have to make sure it's not going to uh, encroach too much on professionals. I have to keep it general public stuff. Yes. Like. Oh, I'm not telling you to give up yeah, secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. I'm not telling you. I'm not going to give up the the real secret sauce. You know. But even even the masked magician. Do you remember him? He didn't give up too much secret sauce. He had a, a thing on Fox in the late 90s. Oh, he, where he, he wore would. a mask. He's like, I'm a magician, but I'm wearing a mask, so nobody knows who I am. Okay, first of all, Val, we recognized your props. <laughs> <laughs> and so would he tell people how he had did the, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. and so the other, I think the other thing with putting industry secrets out, quote unquote, or whatever, mm-hmm. if they're in a book... People can go get them already, first it, of all. If you want to keep a secret safe, publish it in a book. No, because nobody's going to read People it don't these use days. the books. Yes, know? fair, yeah. fair. But mm-hmm. I still always argue that... But um, serving it up on a platter on YouTube where it might just come across somebody's newsfeed who isn't even interested in it, I think is a little messed up. Why, though? Because typically... And here if I, it's a real professional secret sauce, yeah. Yeah, but so like just the basics. I think like just the basics would hook enough people and get them somewhat interested. And and also like your tar- I, that's not going to be necessarily your target market anyways. Like they aren't going to be the ones that are going to pay mm-hmm. for your show anyways. They're going to be the one that's right. like yeah. and you never know. It would just build like social media clout basically is all it's good for at this point for me. Like, ad, I was thinking more ad revenue, but that's yeah, just maybe yeah, the way my yeah, mind works. Yeah. Um, well, they totally uh, demonetized me. Um, at one point and they didn't tell me why oh I'm like is it because i said fuck once like, <laughs> could have been. been you might want to edit that out no it's fine i'll just click it as it contains explicit content it's like not a big deal um 
I already mark that it's not made for kids every time that I put a video up anyway. Well, I didn't say it in the first three minutes or whatever, so it's yeah, probably fine. So you're probably all right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I, I think that I'm definitely on the YouTube train right now of... Uh, as you should be. Yeah, but yeah. like as of things... Um, what you know, you uh, the knowledge you have, the things you can teach, I would say, <laughs> right. are not... What, what I know versus what I can put out there in public are like, way different. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, like there's a very narrow uh, overlap in that Venn diagram. Right, you know? and so what you can share, I think you should share, and I don't think that it will negatively impact. And also, um, you know, I talk to Willie about this all the time, of like we need to do some basic how-tos of like landscaping, of, oh, you know, sure. putting yeah. edging and things like that. And, yeah. and he's like, well, you know, then you'll end up with people like DIYing. I'm like, they weren't your customer anyway. Like that wasn't going to be right. a person who wants to learn. Or you could do a series of warnings. Here's what unprofessional landscapers, here's what to look out for. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, I mm -hmm. think, I think the fear and like I had this initially with the crickets and all that kind of stuff of like, it's just, just going to build a uh, expertise. It's yeah. going to show them that you're experts at whatever you're Yes. Whichever one of your businesses you're right, but with. I was I was worried that like I was giving away mm. these things that mm -hmm. I had taken you know these five years to learn, but at the same time, like so what? Like you mm -hmm. know, it's just it's one of those things you can put it out there that doesn't mean anybody's gonna do anything with it. Um, right. So yeah. I think I don't know. Maybe you would anger the entire magician community, which maybe it would be worth it, yeah. or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Valentino did get quite a bit of publicity from that. Yeah. Well, I hope his payday was good. And enough. actually, Penn and Teller, uh, when magicians thought that they were giving away real secrets, like they branded themselves as the bad boys of magic back in the day. And, yeah. And somebody heard that somebody heard that somebody heard that they were giving away this one old trick, the cups and balls trick. Um, and everybody got angry, and they, they wrote about it in magic magazines. Nobody had seen the bit because it was before the internet. <laughs> and when they saw it, they're like, oh, okay, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not telling you what to do, but I would also, I would, I don't sleep on YouTube, especially because you are, you're already monetized, you know? They might have demonetized you at some point. But you're, they did, yeah. But yeah, are, you, are you back now? Like, are you monetized again? Uh, no, because I haven't given cared enough to uh, oh. <laughs> I haven't given enough cares yes <laughs> to, <Good job>. <laughs> <laughs> to uh uh to to just pick it back up like I'd rather work on you know sitting my 1897 dentist office apartment and work <laughs> and work on things with a ghost quietly fair yeah you know and, and turn that into something I can use on stage fair know. enough but uh but yeah I mean I've got the space I've got the cameras I've got the microphones. I should just friggin' do it, right? Yeah. I've got the, I mean, I've got the lighting. <laughs> like I said, I am not telling you what to do, but I feel like you have that resource sitting there that it, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm really bullish on YouTube right now for like almost everyone. Good. Yeah. I just think it's. Well, no, Dan, Dan has told me the same thing for the past few years. I mean, I, I worked. Uh, for him uh, in 2020 mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of years actually because live entertainment shut down right eventually you get bored and run out of liquor yes and <laughs> that was actually a really good experience i yeah you powder coated a pizza 
I heard. I did. I powder coated a pizza. And it worked. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it looked really good. <laughs> I heard that it hung up on the wall until somebody slammed a door too hard and then it shattered. <laughs> so basically it sounds like you need to char another pizza so that they can powder coat it again. Should I? Maybe. Should I do that tonight? Yeah, we'll just tell the ghost to do it for you. <laughs> I think that's what you should do. Well, my apartment used to be a dentist office. People have definitely died there. Probably. In 1900? Yeah, probably Doing so. dental work? Yeah. Probably so. Yeah. But so then how'd you end up in Collins? Like, what? Oh. Uh, <laughs> random places. I, I uh, found myself in Northeast Iowa again. Um, and uh, I, I was going through a divorce. And, um, uh, long story short, I was kind of just, you ever been divorced? No, I've only been married for a month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what your, uh, previous hi- marital status was, yeah, was no. yeah. but no, I was just kind of, uh, stuck in a rut and I was still up there and, um, my ex-wife had taking my baby daughter to central Iowa, um, somewhere around the area. I'm not going to give specifics, but, uh, she had basically moved three and a half hours away, you know, without telling anybody. And, um, uh, Matt cleverly, the owner of gotcha games, gotcha amusements. Uh, I've known him for years. I actually kind of helped him start his business when he was just doing laser tag. I, took Dan Kennedy's ideas and wrote his first sales letter for him. So I remember we were sitting there in his apartment in Ames, uh, addressing uh, envelopes, stuffing envelopes, sticking stamps, sending them out to county fairs. He filled up his first summer uh, with this investment of, I don't want to say how many thousands of dollars it was, but uh, prior to that, he had been working as a janitor. So he was like, you know, shit in his pants, like, yeah, I hope this works. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it did. Uh, filled up his first summer with a sales letter. And then it just snowballed. He just kept investing on new things. And, um, and it turned into a pretty decent, pretty decent little business for him. Yeah. So 2018-ish, uh, I'm like just feeling bad for myself up in Northeast Iowa. He's like, hey, man. Uh, you want to come down and help me out this week? Cause I'm like real low. Nobody wants to work. I'm like, yeah, I'll be right down. <laughs> Cause I needed to get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> like just give me some different uh, scenery or something. And and they ended up just staying. And now, and now I'm uh, rent, renting the um, the apartment, one of his buildings above. Huh. Yep. I always wondered how you mm-hmm. wound up here. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that you were connected with Matt Cleverly, and that was oh yeah how yep. that happened. Yep. Yep. Very good. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I still do website updates and graphics for like posters and flyers and stuff for him. For all of his stuff. Yep. That yep. makes sense. Huh. And during the winter time, he, he likes to travel to warmer climates. So I uh, make sure that the buildings aren't catching on fire or anything. Yeah. Which is mostly me just slapping my own wrist going, no, don't do that. <laughs> Not indoors. <laughs> <laughs> and just making sure that the bats are safe down below. I'll take care that. of the bats. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Somebody has to make sure that they're all right. <laughs> I, try to, I try to video them whenever they visit. Yes. And, and it's great because you turn on all the lights and they're like, oh, okay, time to go night-night. Yeah. And then they're just super easy to catch. <laughs> they look up at you confused like, you're interrupting my nap. Yes. Why are you moving me? 
Very good. Um, so then if people want to find you, to book you, to reach out to you, to any of the above, where can they, where should they go? Um, you just Google Nathan Tricky Allen. Uh, my website is adultsonlymagic.com. And um, I'm on YouTube. My, my name, I believe, is just Nathan Tricky Allen. I'm on Facebook and Twitter X um, and, and all that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for And if you go to the YouTube, I teach a bunch of tricks how you can use to, <laughs> to, to fool your friends and family, win free drinks, and freak out complete strangers. And there soon will be more, possibly. There will be. He talked me into it. <laughs> thank you. I yep, twisted your arm. That's what I do. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, uh, ditto. Yeah. Really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I look forward to your trick tutorials coming up. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll do all it. right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>